0: this episode of founders talk is brought to you by hired one thing people hate doing is searching for a new job it's so painful to search through open positions on every job board under the sun the process to find a new job is such a mess if only there was an easier way well, I'm here to tell you there is. Our friends at Hired have made it so that companies send you offers with salary, benefits, and even equity up front. All you have to do is answer a few questions to showcase who you are and what type of job you're looking for. They work with more than 6,000 companies from startups to large publicly traded companies in 14 major tech hubs in North America and Europe. You get to see all of your interview requests. You can accept, reject, or make changes to their offer even before you talk with anyone. And it's totally free. This isn't gonna cost you anything. It's not like you have to go there and spend money to get this opportunity. And if you get a job through Hire, they're even gonna give you a bonus. Normally it's three hundred dollars, but because you're a listener of Founder's Talk, they're gonna give you six hundred dollars instead. Even if you're not looking for a job, you can refer a friend, and Hire will send you a check for one thousand three hundred thirty-seven dollars when they accept the job. As you can see, Hire makes it too easy. Get started at hire.com/founderstalk. Hello and welcome to Founders Talk. I'm Adam Stachowiak, host of this podcast and editor-in-chief of changelaw.com. On this show, we talk with founders, CEOs, and makers about their journey, their lessons learned, and the behind the scenes of their companies. On today's show, I'm talking with Mikel Cho, founder and CEO of Unsplash. Unsplash is the most popular place on the internet to get beautiful, free images and photos you can use in any project. You know, we have a similar path to beginning. You know, we both begin as side projects. You know, Chief all Media, what we do here, side business, uh, side project. Uh, we both begin on Tumblr. Uh, so there's something to be said about small beginnings. Yeah. Right? Like, I think they're underappreciated to some degree. Yeah. But small beginnings, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think you know, culturally making a big thing of things is kind of celebrated right so quit your job and go and do the thing or uh, quit this and go on American Idol you know it's like this big altering shift thing Um, and oftentimes what happens there is the stakes increase and they get really high Um, you feel that you have to you know right away replace you know, anything that you any path that you may have been going on, and it almost creates like a prison for creativity for you. You know, you you become obsessed immediately about how does this become a business and support maybe my full time livelihood or my family and all these things. Uh, but that really can hurt a lot of projects that are kind of fragile and too early.
0: So of course the, the business we're talking about is not crew, it's it's unsplash. And crew is your the thing you were doing at the time, right? Yeah. And Unsplash was the side project turned to be your main full thing, the thing you're doing now. Yeah. Can maybe we, um, maybe I can share my version of what I think Unsplash is and you can fill in the gaps. Yeah, sure. Maybe that's what we could do sure. just to be fun about it, to, to switch the roles here a little bit. So I think Unsplash uh, to me now, I mean, there's, there's like uh, five years of history here to go back on, but, you know, I look at it as a place that, as a consumer or a user, you can go and get free royalty photos that are super awesome mm-hmm. like by pretty much anybody in the world. Yep. And as somebody who may be that creator or creative, it's a place for me to share my photos, whether I want to sell them or not. I think it's all free licensing. So it's just a place to share, have liberated photos that don't have any finances trapped behind the licensing model of a photo. And as a user of a photo, I can go there and find pretty much Anything, because you have a great tagging system, I can go there and find pretty much any photo, whether it's uh, the color red or a canoe or, you know, a certain tree. I can pretty much find some sort of photo to, to fit my needs and use that freely pretty much in any form of media. Does that somewhat summarize the utility of Unsplash?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly what it, it is and um, what it's meant to be today. You know, it's really an open photography place. Uh, and that means people can freely come and go in terms of using the photos or adding to the the library that's growing. Um, so yeah, that that is what it is today, and and we have views towards the future of um, you know, other types of potential visuals and other things. But yeah, right now it is definitely about uh, open photography and enabling people to create with photography and enabling people who are sort of visual storytellers um, to showcase that and their view of the world and and get that on a platform.
0: So let's go back to now that we got at least an underpinning there for the audience catching up because not everybody is going to know about Unsplash. You you probably have seen, you know, listening to the show, you may know for sure Unsplash. Some of you may be catching up like, Oh, Unsplash. Sweet. I love this. This is awesome. And your five years, you know, post the launch of this thing. Humble beginnings, though. Going back to the beginning, yeah. this was a side project that saved things for you. Uh, it, you know, it was sort of like, uh, if I understand it correctly, you had a story of like you were getting photos for your business crew, which uh, you can describe if you'd like to. But you, you did a photo shoot. Uh, you, didn't, you only used one of them, so you had all these spares left over. And you're like, what should we do with it? Yeah. And born was was the beginnings of Unsplash. So maybe go back to 2013 to this launch to this time frame of like what Unsplash was to you so we can kind of like dig into the, you know, small beginnings.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the previous company crew, which Unsplash was spun out of um, also had sort of similar beginnings, um, humble, trying to figure things out. It actually started uh, as a MailChimp newsletter with a, just a woo- form. Um, and what it was is we were trying to figure out, A unique way of connecting talented designers and developers with high quality projects so my whole background uh, i had worked in an agency i worked in a design studio i've been a designer myself um, and i just saw these problems in this issue of finding creative work and getting creative work done with all that extra sort of legal financial timing project management stuff that often gets in the way Uh, so crew was like how could we remove all of that and just make it easier to do creative work and for good people to connect with good projects. Uh, And so when we started the site, first it's about how do you figure out how to find projects, right? Like that's the biggest problem that any independent designer and developer or studio agency is gonna have anyway. Uh, And so Unsplash, I basically fit into that as the idea. Uh, And originally we didn't know what that idea was yet. But what we did have is after we launched that first version of Crew, um, we were building the first version of the site, trying to find photos. And we were always thinking about how could we potentially solve a problem that people who would be coming to Crew who might hire a designer or even designers who are looking for projects, what could be just really useful for them? Um, And when we were doing these photos for our homepage, we were like, this is still a really crappy process to try to find good photos that you can very clearly use Uh, and so when we did a photo shoot and we had all these leftovers we thought what if we just created that ideal site that we just kept looking for and couldn't find every image was high resolution Um, all the the photos were under the same conditions you could just freely use them Uh, the original tagline we had was do whatever you want Uh, We just wanted to be super, super clear that there's no strings attached uh, and even the sizes, there's no like, you know, low res or watermarks or any of that stuff. Um, So we built that in about just an afternoon with 10 photos Uh, and we were going to do 10 photos every 10 days because we actually didn't know how we were going to get any more photos than that. So we figured we could keep up with 10 every 10 days if we needed to ourselves. Uh, And I just put a little submit link on the site Uh, unsplash was actually available as a domain So that was $19 or that was $9 and the tumblr theme was $19 Um, So in total we spent $28 and about three hours uh, Put it up. I actually put it up on Hacker News Didn't think anything of it. Um, I thought maybe you know a few hundred people would find it useful and that was good enough for me Uh, And then yeah a few hours later actually got a text message from the photographer that we worked with. And he's like, oh, where'd you, you know, did you, that, that site, you know, that you were telling me about and what we were going to do with the photos. Um, because my portfolio site is just blowing up right now. And I knew I only put it on Hacker News. So I went back there, uh, and it was number one. So we had, uh, 20,000 people sign up within those first couple hours. Uh, I was using a Google form and Google sheets to track the signups. And, uh, we actually crashed the Google sheets because the number of rows at the time was maxed out at, at 20,000. Wow. So yeah, there was all these like crazy things we had that even the photos were hosted with public Dropbox links. Um, so all these things were, you know, we didn't necessarily plan for it to be this really big thing. And then when it did blow up, you know, we can figure out those things later, but, um, it was, uh, you know, having those lower stakes was I think very key to making sure that you get unsplash, you know, out the door and, and live. Uh, so that was, yeah, sort of the, the beginnings of it. And what ended up happening is Unsplash became the number one referral source for Crew. Uh, in that first year, it was referring almost 80% of the projects that were coming to Unsplash. Uh, and even over time, you know, over two, three years when it was still a project within Crew, uh, it was referring between 30 and
0: 50%. This is different worlds, though. So you got photographers, sometimes they're designers, Right. But is crew kind of like the two angles here, designers and developers, like that's what crew's business is. It's like crews of freelancers who are either designers or developers, not photographers. Right. Yeah. But it's like even like an off access referral.
1: Yeah. So there was so much, uh, I think, traffic on the site that even the subset of people who would come to Unsplash who weren't designers and developers, but they needed photography to build a website. Or to build a mobile app or whatever it was, uh, those were the people who would then end up posting a project on Crew to hire a designer or developer.
0: Interesting. So this is a part of the story. So I've done some research, but this is not uh, this is a curveball for me. I was not planning <laughs> on this this here. So let's talk about the side effects, I guess, of of that business growth because that's kind of an insane. Like, so Crew is not owned by you anymore. You eventually had that acquired. Are you, are you a part of it still yet, or is that something you're completely? out of yeah.
1: Yeah. It's completely separate. Um, we crew was sold to dribble the design community, uh, last April, so April, 2017. Uh, and that's when we moved on unsplash full-time. So we've really only been on unsplash full-time for a year.
0: Wow. Okay. So,
1: but all this time, like you got
0: four years of, of really nice growth curves because of this side project crew grew and you sold that. So you, you profited there. Uh, earlier this year, you announced uh, funding, your first round of funding, which is, I think, just shy of $8 million. So you're, you're now in this first year of focus, I guess, maybe new focus, money-driven focus, because you don't make any money, right? Like, you don't have a product. You're not selling something with Unsplash.
1: Right, yeah. With with Unsplash, the original intent was to be a, a referral source for crew, and then you know, the business model of crew would be basically the business model of unsplash.
0: So crew making money could sustain unsplash, not making money. And it'd be a fun rev, you know, a lot of, uh, referral driven process, like a, a nice to a real nice, uh, sibling in the, in the business family, so to speak.
1: Right. Correct. Like you, you could approach it very similar to, uh, a free blog right. like that a company might, produce and ideally what they're trying to do with that is uh, refer some people or generate awareness for the brand um, so Unsplash was kind of like a blog on steroids right? yeah. it, was, it was more useful people could come back and use it many many times um, and it's it sort of it, in the end game though it still did the same thing it would refer people it raised the awareness of crew
0: so I guess I'll ask the million dollar question here or how many millions of dollar question <laughs> why sell crew uh,
1: so what happened in the last few years, uh, we were growing and we we were looking at the trajectories and actually Unsplash was growing even faster than Crew, uh, but the referrals actually started to change. So what happened is as Unsplash grew, it moved into all these other sort of use cases for people. Um, so people weren't just using it for websites or mobile apps. They were starting to use it in presentations, uh, blogging, um, graphic design, you know, pretty much like Everything that needed visuals. So there was about 80% then of that, that new um, that usage that was going to Unsplash wasn't necessarily uh, a fit for referring to crew. So though Unsplash was growing, the referrals to crew weren't necessarily growing at the same rate. So uh,
0: I guess the motivations of having this free thing that was a nice sibling for a while, there is somewhat divorced from its original Uh, I guess bonuses like this happy accident, so to speak, to unsplash a lot of referrals, a lot of growth for crew because of it. But over time they started to sort of divide and and divorce from their, their parallels in business or as, as products.
1: Yeah. And we knew, you know, sort of before crew was built, you know, there's a lot that you need to build in. So if you're thinking about, you know, automating project management, uh, helping people find projects, and doing that in a, a scalable way with software, that takes a lot of time to build. So we knew Unsplash would kind of be like the front porch. You know, people could hang around before crew was ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but a few people would come in. And then over time, you know, crew would, would eventually um, sort of take over and go its own direction with the people um, who were ready for it. Oops, sorry. Sorry about that.
0: That's okay.
1: Um, yeah. So for, I'm just going to put this in airplane mode also.
0: This happens every once in a while, and you know, a little cameo of phone call is no big deal. It's all good.
1: Um, yeah, so we we knew that would happen eventually. Um, so when it, we saw that sort of written on the wall in terms of the numbers, we we did think a lot about so what does the future hold for both crew and Unsplash? You know, how should should these things coexist? Should they be separate things? Um, what could Unsplash really be? You know, because Unsplash, we hadn't really had that that forward sort of conversation yet about it it was more built into uh, the crew sort of system Uh, and so when we saw that that shift in where things were headed that's when we started to look at okay there there there's maybe something very 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 um, life-changing and interesting with what's going on with Unsplash Uh, so let's really study that and and understand what's happening there and, and where we actually see it going and could there be a business here
0: Remind me the timeline again. So, Crew was an acquisition in 2016, right? Uh, 2017. 2017. So, what what part of 2017? First
1: part or April second part? April 2017.
0: Okay, and so you announced funding or this new round of funding, which I was, I'm assuming is going to give you some financial runway on into 2018. So you're you're Aprilish in uh, in 2017 with the separation of Crew then you seems like you spent some time to really think about the kind of investors you wanted to work with. So that actually takes some diligence, not just like, Hey, (laughs) let's just divide these things and go conquer and get some money and boom, there you go. It's, it's a lot more articulate than that. Can you, can you define the articulation there of that process?
1: Yeah. Uh, And with crew, we had raised funding as well. So I'd been through the process. Um, We have existing and supportive investors were also coming into to Unsplash. So basically what we did is we um, set up a, a mirror. So Crew and Unsplash were exactly the same. All, all the current investors uh, owned in Unsplash what they owned in Crew. And then we started from there to think about how do we now um, raise investment for Unsplash. And you're right, a lot of what we thought about was where do we want this to go? Um, so largely, thinking through that philosophy that we believed in first, uh, and then working our way backwards, then saying, cool, this is the philosophy we believe in. Uh, who are the investors that would fit with this philosophy? Uh, and you know, you're, you're going into fundraising, you know, that's the, sort of the ideal case, where you can pick from the investors who are great, who also align perfectly with that philosophy. Uh, but once you start fundraising, Some of those things become difficult uh, difficult to maintain because maybe some of those investors aren't actually as interested um, or you know you have to go a different direction you really like someone else who you thought might like a different philosophy Uh, so we were yeah we went through it was basically a eight to nine month preparation Uh, so setting up understanding the story of unsplash you know what is it that we're really building towards what do we have now and where is that going uh, who do we want to invest and really sort of setting up that list, uh, figuring out how we can reach those people because many of them I, I didn't know, you know I didn't have, you know, I didn't go to Stanford, I'm not in San Francisco, um, not in New York. So figuring out how to reach those people and, and setting up that whole process. Uh, and then, yeah, starting to just go and try and see you know, how this fits with people's minds, um, and it was a, you know, it was a relatively long process, and you know, we went through and um, being from you know, Montreal and having this sort of difficult to categorize photography business. You know, is it open source? Is it uh, like Wikipedia or is it like Instagram? Is it like Viscocam? So that was sort of um, some of the challenges that we had in in articulating what we had and making sure that we did have the right investors. Um, so basically starting in the fall of, uh, 2018 is when we started to talk to people, but everything from that, you know, beginning of the year of 2017 to that fall was preparation to go into talking to those people.
0: little correction there. You said fall 2018, but I think you meant fall
1: 2017.
0: Sorry, fall 2017. So it's fall 2018 then you're in the future. <laughs> That's a whole different conversation. <laughs> One I'm, I'm down to have with, but uh, it makes more sense to focus here. So, okay. So that's interesting. So fall 2018 or sorry, you got me mixed up now fall 2017. You're still, now you're ready. You've done the necessary prep. You spent, you said six to eight months of preparation to kind of understand your brand, who you are, why you are, where you what your direction is, how to describe your company. Cause you're right. It's sort of this interesting to describe photography business that, I don't even know. Do you even produce any of the photos yourself? Is it all community driven? I'm sure it is, right? Like yeah. you, you've got your own profile, but you got 10 photos on it. So you're not, yeah. a heavy contributor. <laughs> sure you're being used, but you're not the majority of the right. community. You're a minority, although you're a founder. Yeah. So you're in fall 2017, you announced funding in, in early this year, 2018. Yes. You spent, you know, what, three, four months fundraising. What's fundraising like for you?
1: Uh, usually, you know, in the past, it's been pretty quick. This one was much longer and I didn't really expect that because Unsplash had been growing really well. Uh, but I think there's, there's a whole bunch of factors at play. Uh, one, I think the main one, I don't think you should push too much on external factors. I think you should always first try to look inwards. And when I look at myself, you know, when I started pitching and talking about Unsplash, um. I wasn't as refined as I was until you know five months later when we started to get the first term sheets from investors who were, who were interested. Uh, when I first started and then I look back to, to that, uh, I was probably 30% of the quality of where I ended up at towards the end of our process. And you know, think about that for a moment because it took us six to eight months to get to that level. You know, so that first 30% and, and being where we thought we were ready, um, we, I still, you know, was nowhere near the the level of quality where I think that we ended up uh, towards the end of that process.
0: What do you mean by quality? Like quality of investor or quality of story or quality of, of The you?
1: quality of our ability to communicate what we're doing. Gotcha. I think that is, you know, people talk a lot about, You know, it's all in the quality of the deck or the quality of your numbers or all these things. Uh, And I think it matters more or less depending on the stage that you're at. But uh, from my experience, you know, this is basically, um, I've raised money in the the seed to series A to series B. So the the earlier stages, you know, the four years younger type company stages. Uh, And from what I can say from that, the conviction of the storyteller is probably the biggest chunk of the pie. That matters the most. And you have to have something. Yes, you have to have, you know, business sort of backing that up. But depending on the level of risk factors that you have, you know, so the like Unsplash didn't have its own revenue model. You know, we didn't have um, that sort of pedigree of coming from San Francisco, New York and fitting as a sort of a consumer product. So there's a lot of um, I think preconceived risks that we weren't able to check off. Uh, And I think we got better and better at people getting over those once they saw our conviction and we communicated a lot of other things better. We communicated why our strategy is a certain way towards, you know, those things. Why does it really matter for this business to be based in San Francisco or New York? Uh, Why haven't you monetized yet? Or what are you thinking around that? Uh, And I, I think we just got so much more refined and convicted around that. Um, that it, it helped build trust with people that we spoke to later uh, in the fundraising process.
0: Some questions I have too around that is, is like uh, from my understanding as an outsider, cause I'm only a fan, not, not so much an insider, even knowing what you're doing, but you know, I, I see unsplash as like, okay, so it's free for me to go and use any photo. The, so the creators aren't getting paid. The users aren't paying to license anything. It's a, a great economy. In terms of like there's lots of users, lots of use. You got 400,000 photos on Unsplash that's been downloaded more than 310 million times. I mean, lots of growth. So it's not like you got a user or a product market fit issue, but what you don't have is sales. And so often you you go into, you know, these kinds of uh you know, investor meetings and it's like, okay, well, you're not making any money. Why? So what was your why? Why hadn't you attempted to or maybe you had a model but you hadn't executed on it yet? What was the state of like making profits we being able to actually turn this into a business that had not just users and use but also some profit
1: yeah and that that was part of it i think the timing was something where you know we had just spun out of crew um, and because unsplash wasn't where it needed to be yet from a business model perspective we knew we were raising funding and we were raising that funding a little bit early um, knowing that we didn't really have much progress on a business model but we've we felt we were in a position where we needed to continue executing on something really well and one thing that was going really really well was the growth so we really focused on let's make sure we have outstanding growth um, versus sort of diluting our resources and maybe having you know average average growth and maybe a little bit of progress on monetization so that was sort of the thinking behind if we have outstanding growth and we can communicate better about how we're thinking about monetization, um, that's the better story and package to uh, begin the process with. So that's where our mindset was. Now, when we're thinking about how we're monetizing the site and how we communicated that, uh, again, early on, we were just very early on it, even as a business. And we made a ton of progress while we were fundraising. Um, So probably about three months in, you know, we've been signing pilots. Um, we had a much clearer definition of like how, what are the economics that could actually work, um, to turn this into a strong enduring business. And cause we had multiple ideas, um, but there wasn't really one that was super refined that we were, um, convicted on, not just in the way that we spoke, but we had proof. Uh, and so we went through those, the pilot that we did have, um, was actually with Google. So we have, um, It's a partnership with Chromebooks, which is their computing. And uh, what they're looking to do is associate Chromebooks with high-quality computing. And so we're able to um, leverage Unsplash in a way to do that with them um, using photography in a a really interesting way that's unique to Unsplash. Uh, And in the future, basically Google Chromebooks um, or one of our partners like this would be paying for that distribution of the photo. So the number of people who are downloading or seeing that photo, uh, that's how we would be monetizing the site. And you could basically look at it as a visual Google. So people go to Google, you search for what you're looking for. You have some sponsored results that show up above the the different search results. Um, And that's how we were actually looking at Unsplash. So you'll go to Unsplash, you'll search for different things. You might search for shoes, for example. Uh, And then on the top, you might see some images that Nike is sponsoring or another brand is sponsoring. Uh, And the really interesting thing that we see behind that is uh, it adds value to the platform. So that... That image is not just showing up in your feed. So you see this a lot of times with Facebook or Instagram, you know, that something gets interjected in your feed and you don't follow that person. It's just an ad. You don't expect it. It kind of like feels like it's getting in the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, What we're seeing with Unsplash is because you can actually download and use the photo. It's actually deeper than the view. And we see a lot of people who uh, are actually already choosing to download photos that have branded content in it.
0: Interesting. So is this business model being executed on now? Is that the direction?
1: Um, so yeah, is we're this moving, a,
0: something you're thinking of.
1: No. Yeah. We're moving forward on it now. Um, it's still in the, in the early stages. Um, so, you know, we don't have the clear numbers and everything and, and how it's all developing. Um, but it's moving definitely in the right direction. So we're very excited about what it looks like. Um, we've you know got some early results that I can't talk about yet, but uh, it's aligning a lot with how we see the world and what could basically sustain the platform and be great for everybody who's involved. It's great for um, our part, any advertising partner. It'd be great for our contributors. It's great for the users and it supports Unsplash.
0: So the state of the company essentially is you're in a, what I would consider, and correct me if I'm wrong then, is a post-raise race based on what you said before, that you didn't have an ex- a model you were executing on to sustain yourselves, and now you are. So in this moment, uh, at least post this first raise, is you're trying to define either one or several models that help you live as a company.
1: Right, correct. So our our focus is in two main places. There's still a lot of room for us to grow. So we're continuing to... Uh, to throttle on the growth. We know how to do that and where that can come from. And then the second piece is on the business side and, and monetizing. So, yeah, exactly. We have uh, many different ways of how it could be sliced and how it could work. And we're just looking for the, the best fit for the ecosystem. So
0: this model you just described now is is one of several, I'm
1: sure. Yeah, there's a few that, that we have. Um, but we're we're trying to focus... Um, you know, not go and try to do three, four things at the same time. Uh, and we have a strategy that we've thought about that for how those different things could affect growth and how those different things could affect, you know, the resources that we have and the number of people. Cause we actually uh, we have a small team. We're only 17 people.
0: Yeah. Do you have revenue currently?
1: Not yet. We are on the, uh, the cusp of it with a few things, which will uh, as yeah as soon as we've, um, got something going really we, we talk about it with the the community and share it publicly, so we're close to that, but um, not there yet now in the in
0: a post earlier this year, I think it was just after your raise uh post that you shared was was talks about blockchain and I've heard uh, you know so listeners of the show may not be perfectly intimate with blockchain, but we as a as a podcast network are intimately familiar with blockchain and there's a lot of people who uh, look at blockchain as a great way to solve some really interesting problems that was described quite a bit. This model you're talking about that we just talked through was not talked about at all. Is blockchain part of this model? Is blockchain at all involved in what you're focusing on now?
1: Yeah. And so the lead investor for the the round that we just closed in in April, 2018, um, that was Simple Token. So yeah, it's a blockchain company And how that happened is we had been talking with them uh, about potential ways that we could partner. And we didn't necessarily look at this like um, blockchain, you know, is gonna be the the savior for charging for photos. We looked at it as blockchain may enable uh, some of these ideas that we're already thinking about in terms of monetization um, to be significantly better for everybody. Um, so that's largely how we're looking at it so yeah, any idea that we talk about from a monetization perspective we're also thinking about how could blockchain make that easier faster or better um, and that's that's largely the the marriage that's happening there and it may enable you know something totally different um, but that's that's kind of how we're thinking about it. We're looking at what are the unique things that blockchain would enable within maybe an existing idea or strategy that we're talking about, uh, or could it enable something totally new?
0: So what are some of the unknowns there around blockchain? I mean, obviously it's newer, it's still in, you know, proving itself in lots of places, but it's certainly got great use cases. How is it being applied here?
1: Yeah, I think still figuring out the use cases where blockchain would be so obviously better than anything that you could do with fiat currency. Right. So there's, we've seen some of these, um, consumer platforms where, you know, people get paid to contribute or these sorts of things. Um, but, and, and, there's tokens that are created in exchange. Uh, but you can also ask the question of like, how much, how much better is that? You know, if, if Reddit gold, um, you know, the econ- the sort of token system that exists inside of Reddit, what if that was run on blockchain, would it be significantly better than this, the system that where, where it is now? Uh, I don't necessarily see that as being significantly different or better, um, but I think there could be a combination you know, of things that happen. And, and we're looking into like a bunch of the little interactions that happen on Unsplash. So we look at the download, and um, our, the interesting thing that we have with our download is uh, because people don't have to credit, the photos can end up anywhere all over the internet. So is there a way that we can potentially uh, figure out the, the line of creation for, you know so there's an original photo that gets posted and then all these things get made with it after uh, is there a way that we can connect all of those people somehow like right now um, technically it's uncertain uh, but could there be something um, within blockchain technology that could allow us to do that better maybe um, there's also different things um, that help the Unsplash ecosystem function really well so for example uh, photo taking and that you know as you were mentioning when you search for a photo uh, the library is getting better and better we actually have a lot of people who will tag the photos just as their contribution um, to unsplash so is there a way that we could um, help those people be sort of recognized and maybe there is a a token ecosystem where we can break that down into micro micro transactions that would be significantly better than um, doing it with cash or, or some sort of fiat system so let me
0: understand this correctly then. So going back to the, which these seem like two different models, or not two different models, two different thoughts, but not two different models. Where you have, let's say, Nike, for example, you use them as a, as a, as your in your analogy, of sponsoring. Let's say you know some of the results could be they're sponsoring the the photo. I'm not sure who the money actually goes to if it's just you or the photographer or whomever, but. That's where the money comes into the system. And say I go and tag a bunch of photos. It's just somebody who loves to tag. And because you have this cryptocurrency blockchain based model where I'm getting tokens or some sort of, you know, digital currency, because hey, I put some effort into tag, you know, 10 photos a day because you know what? I, I maybe I earn five bucks a month. I don't know. Just something, just whatever. I don't know what the money actually is. But that is that the model then? So you have sponsored things from brands, which makes sense because that's how images work. And Instagram has proven that model being very valuable. And then the money gets spread around by either creators or contributions into this economy and they get paid through, you know, blockchain enabled cryptocurrencies.
1: Yeah. So we look at it as there's, you know, different people who participate in Unsplash. There's the contributors, there's the right. consumers, there's potentially the advertising partners. We have API partners who've integrated, you know, the Unsplash library into their products. Uh, and each of them sort of have this, you know, spend earn by ability. And that's what we're thinking through. You know, what would, uh, how could an API partner earn? And then what could they spend that on? You know, same thing for the, the person who downloads photos. How, how could they potentially earn, and what could they then spend that on? So that's sort of the thought process that we're going through, um, and that's, that's sort of building this, this whole ecosystem for all the people who are involved.
0: the episode of Founders Talk is brought to you by Rollbar. Catch errors before your users do. Resolve errors in minutes. Deploy with confidence. Rollbar is loved by developers, trusted by enterprises. And most of all, we use Rollbar here at Changelog. You can give Rollbar a try today at no cost to you. No credit cards required. Our listeners get access to the bootstrap plan with 100,000 events for free for 90 days. To get started, head to rollbar.com slash changelog. Let's talk about levers of growth. You know, we talked earlier about like, hey, you don't really have a growth problem. You know, every business has a how do you make money problem. That's just natural. So you're going to be in front of investors like you had mentioned, and you're going to be able to talk about that growth story really easily. And here's our upside because here's where we've been going. Here's our trajectory. But here's where we're on the financial side. And we've talked through that. But let's talk about some of the levers of growth. Let's get into the details of like things you're intimately involved in. How do you grow? Unsplash. You mentioned that you've got different types of customers. You've got API customers, you've got potential future sponsors, you've got contributors, you've got, you know, all these different stakeholders, so to speak, that are a part of the Unsplash community. How do you pull the different levers of growth? What are some of the common levers for you?
1: For us, I mean, uh, the big focus is uh, the photo download. So if we had to pick sort of one thing that we're really focused on driving forward, uh, it's that. And... That is because it's sort of a measure of the the main use of the site. You know, if we're not driving photo downloads, are we really delivering value for anyone? You know, um, ultimately what we're trying to do is push the impact of photography and pushing the impact of photography further means more downloads of that photo, uh, which means more people are seeing that photo. And the same thing for um, people who might be and sort of using these photos if they people aren't downloading them then maybe they're not useful uh, so we really look for driving that forward uh, and then how do we do that so if you, know, you can, this can get really complicated you, know, you people run through all these different referral strategies and all these different things and how do you layer on you know social graph and get people to refer five friends and all these things multi-level marketing but, yeah okay <laughs> but if but if you look back at the things that sort of took over um, uh, a new sort of behavior and how people were acting in sort of a a new way towards an industry there's kind of two main things that happened one was the search wars so google you know google against yahoo and altavista and then the second was uh, video so you had youtube and vimeo and and the different platforms that were competing there and ultimately what what happened in both of those cases is the company that built the better way to discover and search the the actual library uh, and had the better library were the ones that won and so that's that's really our focus and it sounds kind of boring and simple but basically how that breaks down to us is build the best search and build the best library Uh, and as a third unique thing that we have because Um, The photos, you know, they go through the API and we can distribute those in a unique way off of Unsmatch. We also drive that third piece forward. Um, So it's API partnerships, building a better search and and building a better library.
0: I definitely want to earmark the impact of an API, which I want to dive into specifically a little later on. But uh, I'm glad you touched on that because that's something that people don't often think about. Like the reason why YouTube wins or has won. Uh, with videos because, it, you know, creators, it's a great place for them. It's a great place. Like if I'm researching pretty much anything, yeah, a, a new barbecue for the backyard, <laughs> a new camera, a new computer, a new interface for audio, a new microphone, you know, a, a specific XLR cable, yeah. like literally for any of those examples, treasure troves of content on YouTube. They found a way to monetize that themselves. They've found a way, to, a way to pay the creators. And so the YouTube model is definitely a rinse and repeat model for platforms like yours. So is that like your, you know, for lack of better terms, poster child of like, Hey, we're going to follow this. This is, this is what we're going to do, but whatever else you're also going to layer on top of that.
1: Yeah. I think we take inspiration and just try to learn from um, a lot of these things that happen because, you know, it's like every 20 years, sort of the old older platforms, get shifted to, to newer platforms and new paradigms uh, but the human behaviors roughly stay the same. So I more look at what were the human behaviors um, that are still consistent and that won't change and that haven't changed uh, those sort of more define the playbook than you know let's just copy and paste um, these different yeah. business strategies that may have worked at that period of time but you know wouldn't necessarily work right now.
0: Oh, well, let's talk about the, the basics of that then though, right? So you got creators and I want to talk on this too, because i did some research. Okay. And part of my research was on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and you know, our foot, pho- our photographers, creators getting taken advantage of is a question being asked by some of the community. And I want to talk about that, but let's talk about the basics. So you've got a platform, you got the library, right? So you got plenty of phenomenal, great photos. Like I, I haven't dug that far, but I've never seen a bad photo on Unsplash. So that's a good thing. Maybe that's a brand thing. I don't know how you do that, but whatever you're doing to to do that, keep doing it. So there's no real bad photos that I've seen. So you got great content, right? But, you know, then you've got the layers of search and then you've got the creators who are creating that content, which is photography, photos. So is, is, uh, you know, while you may not be copying and pasting YouTube's model, you may be at least, you know, finding, trying to find ways to pay the creators. Let's talk about that then, you know, paying creators. Is that something you're as part of this model you're working on?
1: Yeah. So we look at when it comes to the people who are providing photography and we provide photography, you know, I've got a few up there and ten. You know, like to put more, you know, but those are my 10 best <laughs> by far.
0: <laughs> oh, that's just funny. I'm, I'm, I'm not jabbing you. I just think it's funny that you're the founder creator and you got 10, which is great. Yeah. I've seen them in places, <laughs> but I think that's funny that you got 10.
1: Yeah. Uh, I try to, you know, give love to the people who are way better at me and really like pushing that forward. And I try to build the the platform that can help make those other photos sing and, and reach as many people as possible. And ultimately, when we look at how does you know photography monetize, what's the what's the right opportunity? Where are those different things going? And when we looked at charging for photos and you look at licensing, um, that's all kind of trending to zero. Like it's really not that useful today to be licensing the photo. How many people are, you know, if you go up on Instagram, how many people have Instagram accounts that are getting contacted by people to license a single photo? What's happening now is we have these great high resolution cameras basically built into our phones. And if someone can find something that's good enough, maybe they'll go out and shoot it themselves versus licensing a photo. And what, so what can we do to the, the photo still has a ton of impact and a ton of value. I mean, we're seeing that with, with Unsplash. And arguably, I think today it has more value and impact than it ever has. You know, everything is becoming super visual. Bandwidths are increasing. You know, everything can support high resolution. Uh, so that's what we look at. How can we take that, that impact of that photo and turn that impact into great things for that person who contributed it? Uh, and that can be in multiple things. So we think there's something much bigger than, you know, getting the hundred bucks for the photo. And we've seen this happen many times where even you wouldn't get that hundred dollars for the photo, what you're getting when you post something on unsplash, you might book, you know, a thousand dollar or $500 photography gig from somebody else, or you might end up getting a full-time job, you know, from a company that saw your, you know, saw your work there. Then they found out that you were actually a videographer, uh, and you took photos on the side and you're sort of this sort of visual storyteller. So we looked at it more as a, a form of storytelling and then how could you turn that form of storytelling into something that opens up a whole bunch of opportunities for the person who told that story. And in a way, it's actually very similar to the phase that blogging went through. You know, In the beginning, when people started writing online, people were like, you know, you're just going to give this writing away for free? It's going to kill the... know the whole sort of value of a story um but what ended up happening i think is people learned okay i could tell i could give these stories that i have away for free in service of something else i might be able to um, increase the exposure of my business my core business which is worth way more than i could ever charge um, someone for just telling you know this history story of of uh of crew and unsplash, you know, instead I can reach 10 times or hundred times more people by publishing it online and giving it away for free. And because I'm reaching so many more people, um, there's a, a larger number of those people who may actually find the, the core value of my, my other work, you know, where, else, where, where I make money elsewhere um, as the thing that's really useful and valuable to them from a monetary perspective. So we look at a lot of that. How can we use that initial photo as basically the introduction to this contributor? And that contributor may be a photographer, but they may be an, another type of creator. They may be a, a developer or a designer or a writer. Uh, but you've reached people. You've uh, connected with people through that photography. And so, how can we grease the wheels for different opportunities that that could create for you?
0: So. One of those examples of somebody who's not a photographer that I know of is Jeff Sheldon. And I think yeah, he's yeah. been in examples of your posts and that was interesting. Like he's really good with photography yeah, and he's yeah, got a great yeah. studio. He's got a cool brand, lifestyle developer designer brand. But uh, if you're not familiar with Jeff Sheldon, his brand is dot Ugmonk, Ugmonk.com. I've bought shirts from Jeff. I've met Jeff in person. He's a great guy. So that's an interesting, you know, like impact of unsplash kind of person that has, I don't even know today how many photos he shared, but it's a small handful, you know, yep. his Iceland trip, uh, his office, different things. And he wasn't able to quantify his personal gain from sharing on Unsplash, but he has no regrets. Yep. right. His brand, his personal brand, his products and his shots are out there. So it's, it's, it's uh, around awareness, things like that. Like he didn't go on there and say, how can I leverage Unsplash to build my business? It just was sort of like this accident. Yeah, it's that's a hard thing to explain to creators, though, right? Like, and that's where I think the question of like, are photographers being taken advantage of, it comes up, is because like, well, you know, you've been able to grow your platform, you raise money, and it's all these you, you, use kind of thing, maybe is happening, but there actually is a lot of you know value translation here that is just sort of like hard to describe, you know, hard to pin back. The Jeff Sheldons, for example, are hard to, you know, say hey. Ugmonk has grown X, but because of Jeff's sharing on Unsplash, for example.
1: Right. I mean, and this is the, this is the problem that people have faced in, you know, sort of the shifts in advertising over the last 10 years, you know, everybody thought cost per click, you know, so obvious I can pay a couple cents and get people to click directly through on this thing and buy something. Um, But what we really do, and if you look at your own behavior, Uh, Nobody really shops like that anymore, especially today. You know, we don't like expect to see an ad and then we go and click it and then we buy the thing. You know, we're kind of floating around. It's like sort of, I see it as we're in this ambiance, right? And we're going around on the internet and we're sort of floating through different things. We're seeing opinions, we're seeing different things here and there. Um, And the useful things are the ones that grab our attention. And when you have that attention, that is becoming the, the most valuable thing today and because everything is so open. Um, if you're just creating useful things and you have people's attention, um, that becomes a way to push that into potentially something that is monetizable. And we saw this, this shift is happening in a lot of creative industries. I mean, we saw it with music, right? Things moved to streaming yeah. and you weren't making as much as you used to on a single song or an album. But what a lot of artists did is they shifted from expecting to make everything from each individual song and instead they said, well, I could leverage this music as almost a way of storytelling for the more lucrative parts of my business, which is merchandising or uh, concert, ticket sales, those sorts of things. And you saw this with like Chance the Rapper was someone who did this, he just sort of gave music away. You know, he was posting different things, um, and he was using SoundCloud and that sort of accelerated his growth into a place where um, he could push sort of more of that attention and audience into things that, that he was able to monetize. Uh, so yeah, I think there's that, that, that shift that's happening and it's, if you've, and I totally get it. Like if you've made money in one way for a, for a long period of time and then there's shifts or changes that are happening to that, uh, you're looking at like who are the people who are causing that to happen, and where is this all going to go? Uh, and so we do look at that as you know, is that that's a responsibility for us to figure out how how does that shift towards the future? Uh, because we do have a platform that allows people to share photography openly.
0: When you started this, did you think that? what you did in 2013, this side project would have such a huge impact and, and then quite, quite literally disrupt and change the photography industry the way, at least the way that licensing is, is, has happened, you know, with stock stock photography, for example, you know, like you made it free. It was open to everyone to contribute as well as use. And, you know, there was questions of whether you're, you know, this round of funding would say, okay, well now unsplash turns into a, Shutterstock 2.0 or whatever, um, you know. Did you think that when you started that thing back in 2013 that this would be the effect?
1: In no way. <laughs> I think you could tell from the original way that we built the site. You know, like Tumblr, uh, Google Sheets, public Dropbox links. You know, just that alone. Like you, you know, with a public Dropbox link technically you're not supposed to even have more than i think 50 to 100 people seeing that like that's not the intent yeah. um uh, so that was sort of where my expectation was uh and I, I thought it was just too early you know at the time still you know the minimum resolution that we had for submitting photos on unsplash um uh, could not be hit with mobile devices uh it, so you needed to have a high quality camera to shoot you know the, the requirements that we had now it's you know, with a, with your iPhone, um, you can four X the minimum that we had at yeah. that time. So it's pretty crazy to sort of see all the external things that sort of lined up all at the same time. Uh, and I think unsplash was almost even better off being part of another company where it could build up in the way that it did, you know, it kept the, the quality really high, uh, the community really strong. The ideals are really strong. Uh, and I think sometimes, you know, if you accelerate through those steps too fast, um, the foundation under the company um, isn't strong enough to withstand things, you know, that happen later. So I, I look, look back at all of that and I actually think, you know, all of those, that perfect storm um, was actually helpful to getting Unsplash to where it is now.
0: I love that first homepage. I was telling you in the pre-call that <laughs> I've, I've been a fan of Unsplash since the beginning. I can remember that original homepage. Yeah. and I can remember you saying 10 new photos a week and you actually delivered on that. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, they kept being really good. I didn't yeah. have an exact use for them every single time, but I was always like, wow. Okay. They keep adding to this library. So likely when I come back, there might be something here for me in particular, if I have a use for it. But like, right. I was always impressed with like your minimalism, uh, your humbleness, your focus and your ability to deliver on that original promise, which was like great, great photos. And then only with the shift towards like phones these days, like, I mean, what a perfect storm, as you said, that, uh, that now we have a professional camera pretty much in my pocket, your pocket, anybody who can buy a smartphone these days is going to have essentially four X, as you said, the, the minimum resolution required to post to unsplash. Yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah. What's the correlation to Instagram? I mean, cause I went back in my time and I was thinking like, okay, unsplash in my research, I was thinking, Unsplash is 2013. I remember my first post to Instagram was 2010, mm-hmm. uh, October 12th, 2010, actually. And I know that Instagram predated 2010. I don't know how many more years before that it was. I think I was sort of earlyish towards using it, but you know, it wasn't until a couple more years later that Instagram really became more and more
1: popular. Right. What's yeah. your parallel? Do you examine that? Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, Instagram is a visual storytelling platform. Um, and it does connect people in that way. Uh, it doesn't have that same utility side as much. So I, we sort of look at photography in, in two ways. There's the entertainment side and then there's the utility side. So actually being able to use the photo and, and make with it. Uh, and what's happened with you know, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, as you were saying through that like, 2010 to now phase, there's been a lot of, you know, um, Progress that's been made around entertainment of photos. You know, people are just pouring billions of dollars into figuring out how to make that more entertaining in that whole experience. Uh, but what's lacking is sort of that other side, the, the util- utility of the photo. And what's happening is that has grown at the same rate, but there hasn't been that same level of, uh, let's move this forward and make it, make it so much better for people to create with photos and then the people who are um, supporting you know that that ecosystem of photography at the same time Uh, so that's really where where we sit Um, and yeah we look at that's how we sort of view uh, photography from from an entertainment and a utility perspective Uh, unsplash really sits in how can we um, it's it's you know there's sort of some similar feels to Instagram and the way we present photos and certain things like that, um, but the unique thing that we always have is that ability to download that photo and and go and use it.
0: So we talked about disruption on the photographer side of things, but I'm curious on the business side of things. Like uh, maybe you can share some of this, maybe you can't. But I'm curious, like what happens to the Shutterstocks? What happens to you know their competitors? I'm, I'm not even sure who competes with the Shutterstock, but like maybe. Uh like I stock is one of the things I think I've used in my past. Shutterstock. Yeah. There's probably several more out there. But like what happens to them, to their model?
1: Yeah, and there was a big like consolidation of all those um that happened about five, ten years ago. Uh the main two ones, you know, Shutterstock and Getty Images now. Right. Um, Getty, yeah. That's another yeah, one. Yeah. And uh, we're actually double the scale of both of them now. So we are the size of Shutterstock and Getty combined, um, which is pretty crazy to, yeah. to think about. Yeah, I mean Getty's and, incumbent,
0: right? I mean, you know, you look yeah, at anything out there, you know, in press, it's got by Getty images,
1: right? So I think when you look at photography, there's still different use cases, um, largely around, uh, I think, some more corporate use cases where they've got sort of the, the membership and those sort of things um, around Shutterstock and Getty. But I think that the future is just moving so much more towards the digital use of photos. And when you look at where stock photography, and the models around Shutterstock and Getty and how to understand the usage of those photos, it, it, all of it came from print. You know, so how are you supposed to how is the person who is making something for a presentation or writing a blog post uh, supposed to necessarily know the the exact size that they need or how many people are going to see this blog post uh, because that affects the the licensing price. Uh, So it, it doesn't really fit with where the usage of photography is going and I think there is there's always going to be a subset of certain use cases Um, Getty you know has some interesting things because of the access to events so like you were saying you know know, they can get to the royal wedding or they can do these uh, the Olympics for example Uh, so access is something that is uh, a very useful thing when you're communicating through photography Uh, but I think over time I could imagine you know, the ability for unsplash photographers to have access to the Olympics. Mm, Yeah. I can see this, this happening. Uh, And these are the sorts of opportunities that we want to create for the, the everyday, you know, photographer who knows how to tell a good visual story.
0: That's interesting. I mean, that's probably the one missing component is, is definitely the access because the access is, is, uh, you know, relationship driven. It's an, sometimes it's uh invitational. Yep. Sometimes it's political, you know, not so much like in like government politics, but like, you know, who, you know, for example, politics. Right. And that's, that's not an easy thing to build. That takes time. Right. That's yep. not, that's not a microwave. That's, that's, you know, low and slow roasting, you know?
1: Yes. Right. Yeah, so that, see, are you working on that
0: kind of stuff now? Is that when you said that I can see that happening, was that a hint towards the future
1: or, or is that a hope? That's, yeah, that's, to me down the future it's something where you can leverage what you have you know there will be more people there's already today more people uh, seeing a photo on unsplash than any other platform uh, including Instagram so it really depends where the motivation lies of the event you know if they're looking to make money directly off their photo uh, maybe they wouldn't choose unsplash but that depends on how lucrative that is versus if I could get this photo seen by every single person in the world multiple times versus getting, you know, X dollars for it, uh, that's going to be, I think the, the trade-off in the future and that X dollars for it is decreasing. Yeah. Um, so I see that th- that's, that sort of fits with that model of the future of the world where. Um, that capturing of of attention is one of the most useful things. Um, And we see that in in different places where people are giving photos on unsplash, you know, um, an example with Jeff Sheldon, if we go back to that, he, one of his newer products that he made that he did a Kickstarter project for, uh, he had some of that product photography and he posted it on unsplash. You know, I think in Jeff's eyes, he's doing that same math. He's like, I could, you know, try to charge for these photos or do I want, a thousand times more people to know about this product and then buy this product. That's probably worth way more. Uh, And then I might have a customer relationship long-term versus this single use for a decreasing amount of value that I could maybe get on, on charging for the photo. Uh,
0: Maybe even more particular with Jeff, like who would buy him? Like if they're to market his new product, like who's going to license that? I don't know. Right. Maybe, maybe yeah. a small handful. Yeah. it's right? it's,
1: it's and, and you see this. Uh, we know the distributions of what this looks like in, in stock photography. There's like the top 1-2% um, who actually make the most. And then everybody else is making almost nothing. The, the, the math that we did last year, uh, it's about 600 bucks that you would make on a full collection of photos. Right. So you, if you took every single photo you had and uploaded it uh, on a stock photography site, it's likely the, the average is 600 and that's, that's based on a sort of normal distribution curve. That curve is actually skewed. So you'll probably make 10 times. It's most likely you'd make 10 times less than that unless you're a really good photographer.
0: So is the motivation to share on Unsplash, is it, is it for like notoriety then? Like what, what motivates somebody to contribute? Uh, specifically, their photos, their creative work.
1: Yeah, I think there's a core um, few sets of reasons that drive everybody. Right? If we look at most things that we do, um, there's often a, a couple reasons why that that make up that pie. And I think people have varying percentages of how that pie shakes out. So, someone who contributes a photo on Unsplash, it may be you know twenty percent. They just want to actually just give to the project, and you can you can tell that. There's some people who don't put any link in their profile, right? That means that, or even their, their name is just like their first name. So they're not trying to leverage the photo for anything. They're actually just trying to give to, to the platform. Um, so they, if their pie is probably the most like altruistic, right? They probably have 90%. Um, I just want to contribute to something bigger than myself. Uh, and then you might have a 50-50 split from somebody else where they've said, you know, I've gotten a lot of value from Unsplash. I download the photos. I use it a lot. Um, my way of giving back is to now contribute to, to the site as well. Yeah. And maybe, you know, I'll, I'll I'll be able to drive a little bit of recognition for my other work. So they, they might be a 50-50 split. Um, so that's that's roughly what it is. You know, there, there's probably a combination of of recognition, of contributing something um, bigger to yourself. Uh, and then the, the third piece might be, you know, how can I turn this into a specific sort of business objective?
0: Well, I promised that we would come back to the impact of your API because I think this is a big deal for you. I imagine it's the underpinning of most of the tech you're building upon because you, you got partnerships being built on this thing. And, yeah. you know, it, it, somebody might hear API. Okay, great. Uh, no big deal. Let's just code that up and boom, it's there. Like, this is a big deal. got, you got yeah. keep this thing up. I mean, you got stability, you got, I'm sure it's probably a part of your powering your search. You know, like this is a big deal to you. Can you describe to me, you know, where you came up with the, you know, how you knew this was a need. And then the first steps to sort of like understand the impact that this API would have for you in your future.
1: Yeah. The The first step with the API was we just felt it would be useful. So, uh, unsplash.com covers single use of a photo. So I need a photo. I'm going to go grab one, two, three, maybe. But what if I wanted to grab a thousand for something that I'm making? And so that's that's sort of what we looked at the API as. How could we solve that use case for getting tons of photos for something that you might creating? You know, maybe you're building a puzzle game and you want to use an Unsplash photo uh, and be able to rotate those images. Or maybe you need backgrounds for profiles. Or maybe you even need to seed uh, an app with some images before people uh, start using your product. So there's actually something useful in there. And so that those were the use cases that we were looking at and we thought of how could we uh, make that really easy for uh, a developer to be able to make off of it. So it really just started from a perspective of usefulness. And then over time, we realized how useful it actually was. Uh, we actually, when we moved off Tumblr and moved it to a custom site, uh, we eventually Unsplash now runs on our API as well. So it, it is the, the core, you know, the beating heart of, of Unsplash. Uh, we have 500 API partners running on it now. Some of the biggest ones are Medium, uh, Google Slides, Trello, and the powering all the photography inside of those products. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very unique way of distributing photos and nobody's really done that because the, the licensing of unsplash is so different. It allows us to put photography everywhere and this fully you know, lines up with our whole thing of how can we take a photo and make it be as impactful and more impactful than it's ever been, uh, in history. So
0: medium Trello, Adobe, all these different partners, are these relationships where they're going back to what we talked earlier? Are they part of a pain model or is this free access to your API to use images, how they feel? And, and it's around a larger distribution story.
1: Yeah. So it's it's free access. And what we require in our API guidelines is attribution uh, back to the original photographers in Unsplash.
0: So if I went on Unsplash now and downloaded a photo, no attribution is required, but Via the, the API, there is attribution.
1: Yeah, and we we look at it as if you're going to be uh, displaying the Unsplash library in mass and using a yeah. technical way of getting them. So even Unsplash.com, right? So essentially, under every photo, we're giving credit as well. Um, that's how we looked at it. You know, if you're if you're pulling these in mass, um, there's a different sort of exchange that we see happening there uh, and the real value then especially if we're not charging for it is to make sure that we're giving that recognition
0: so back to our earlier part of our conversation I said you know what are some of the leverage you're pulling and you, you said that the, the main one is downloads yep right so like this is 100 hundred focus on that goal for sure because like the the resilience and the and the effectiveness of your API to for one you have great quality images and I'm sure there's something else that that makes that happen. But you know, if your API is sturdy, any of these partners can easily download photos as they see fit for whatever the reasons are. And so long as they're following your guidelines, you're getting, you're hitting your core metric, which is downloads.
1: Right. What's the impact there? Uh, it's grown from, so in the last year, it's grown from being about 10% of the total views and downloads to almost 60% And during that same period, we've grown about 7x overall. So there's a huge amount of growth that has come through the API in the last year.
0: What's the burden? What's the team size for your API? Two. Two. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 60-ish percent of, of your displays are powered by two people. And you said you're a team of 17? 17,
1: yeah. All right,
0: they need to get paid more or something. I don't know because <laughs> they're doing a lot of. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's a lot. It's a lot of work, and that. Yeah. And people underestimate the you know the the team required to actually make it work. You're doing it yeah. great with two, but, but we've got, clearly yeah, you've there's seen the a impact. bunch of
1: people. Yeah, there's a bunch of people. Almost, I would say, nearly everyone touches the API to some degree, but we've got the two people that are you could basically consider them full time on the API. Nice but everyone's kind of part-time on the API.
0: Yeah. If it's becoming as important as it is, then, you know, yeah. I'm sure that it become like everybody, everybody wears the same hat in this company and nobody has a, you know, it's not like that's not my job. Like it's everybody's right. job. No. Exactly. Right. You know, that kind of mentality. Yeah.
1: Cool.
0: I knew that uh, this API was a big deal to you. I just wasn't sure how much. So just reading from some stats on the site to, to give some credit here, you got almost 948.7 million requests per month. So am, I, am I reading that right? Yeah. 948.7 million requests per month.
1: Yep. That's right.
0: So moving on to the next stat, 568.3 thousand free photos and 89.8 thousand photographers. Yes. That's a lot. So this is open to anyone. How do you get access to it? How does it work?
1: Yeah. So the API is open. Um, If you're doing something special with it, we just have an email on the API side. So unsplash.com developers is where all that info is. Um, yeah, we, we keep it as open as possible. And then once you're sort of scaling up, um, we figure out, you know, how we can help with either opening up that access even more, um, or trying to even do something together to share what you're working on.
0: And if I understand you correctly, you intend for this API to be free unfettered access
1: yeah so it's totally free it's open to use um, and yeah we're it fits totally with what we're trying to do and we want to keep it that way for as long as possible
0: cool Mikkel is there anything on your horizon this is a this is a question I didn't prep you for but anything that that people may not be aware of or it's completely unknown this this something on the horizon you're, you got going on that you can announce here on the show
1: so I I tend to overshare i get really excited and i drop things on twitter um so i don't know if i've dropped anything yeah i think we've, we've spoken about most of the the stuff i mean we don't have anything no secrets yeah um and it'll be up there on twitter if anything um probably before anything else
0: let me ask a different way then what's the what's the next big thing for you in the next month
1: yeah so the chicken uh, teas Yeah, next uh, in the next month, we we do have uh, an interesting thing that's coming up. We're actually trying to solve the creative use of not safe for work content. Oh, okay. (laughs) So that's that's an interesting um, project. So obviously, we're doing certain things with safe search, but um, I think we've got a pretty unique creative take on. Uh, another element to it that nobody's ever done. Yeah. Good luck with that. Thank you. You might hear the name. It, it the name has a ring to it. You gonna you gonna say the name? You gonna oh no, it? we'll we'll keep we'll keep oh, Okay, you, you'll okay. you'll know the name. You'll know the name when you hear.
0: Stay it. tuned. All right, cool. <laughs> um. Well, Mikhail, I, I have nothing else. That was. I mean, I was. I loved going through your history. To I know this call kind of ran a little longer than I even expected. to. I mean, I. I really wanted to cover a lot of stuff. The only thing that we didn't talk about that was on my list and uh, I at least want to link it up and give it a name drop was, uh, was flip the funnel from the CEO and co-founder of MailChimp. Um, I think that's pretty interesting. His perspective, I discovered that as part of like learning about you, what Ben shared about why he hates funnels and how you flip it instead of saying, Hey, you know, you got all your leads and you got all the spam the heck out of everybody kind of mentality. And then the customers yeah. you love down at the bottom, you flipped. And I'm, I'm sure that based on this conversation, you have a, you know, you took that to heart. There was even, um, a Twitter stream that you shared, which we're, we're already talking about. We'll, we'll spend two more minutes talking to this. Yeah. Um, I liked point five, six, and seven. You said, instead of seeking to hire lots of new people, focus more on helping your current team be great. Uh, tweet after that was, instead of seeking out lots of superficial new relationships, focus on going deeper with the ones you already have. And point seven was, new and more isn't always better. I love this one, by the way. It might seem easier to get a new one uh, rather than work on the one you already have, but the best stuff in anything is found at the deeper level. You know, rather than try to grow more and bigger and better, focus on what you got already. and Focus on the customers you already have already. Focus on the customers that love you that to me really resonated with me. So I appreciated you sharing that, that sentiment from Ben and, uh, I had not known about his tiny letter, which I love by the way. So I'm, yeah. I, I'm just earmarking <laughs> that for me. So
1: anything you want to share about that in closing? Yeah. It's, I, uh, I think it's something that you can think through for everything that you're about to do. Um, reversing the funnel is like so counterintuitive to everything that we're taught to do. We're taught, you know, once you solve this problem, go on to something else, you know, go to the, you go to the crying baby instead of the one that's calm. Um, but if you reverse that mentality, you're, you're, you're doing something totally different than what most of the world does. And actually, uh, most of the good stuff is, is sitting in there, you know, spending more and more time with your great customers than, um the ones that are always giving you trouble over the small things you know that's sort of an example you know mm-hmm. what does that balance look like what would happen if you would spend because you know you've seen this there's there's t- good people tend to hang out with other good people and so if you're if you're nice to the good people uh the chance that you're going to get another good you know potential customer out of that uh, increases and uh it's it's an interesting thing with a lot of things like the the one where seeking new relationships. Um, I think you see this at networking events all the time. People will disregard you. They will literally shake your hand and you will be in there trying to have that conversation. And there will be a moment where they just turn away. You know, they've sort of got this internal clock. I see 200 people in this room. I need to meet all 200 of them. That gives me one minute per person.
0: Mm, yeah. You know, speed. I, dating. Don't,
1: I don't think that way at all. Speed business dating. Exactly. Yeah. I, I would rather do... Meet one, two, three people in there, have a meaningful conversation, and then expand upon that over a lifetime. Because yeah. the superficial stuff, if you've got a bunch of those, then what are you to those people? You're, they're just superficial back. Same, yeah. And that, that's where you see those things where people have, you know, a million Twitter followers and 10 people like their thing. Yeah. Because there's nothing there. You know, there's no, there's no depth or substance to it.
0: The subscribers doesn't match the views, so to speak. That's right. what I see on YouTube all the time. Like, hey, great, you got, you know, one hundred fifty thousand subscribers, but you get like consistently two and a half to ten thousand views on your videos. Well, you don't have one hundred fifty thousand subscribers, right? You know, that's a great, you know, you know, easy answer back to that one. Yeah. Well, Mikhail, thank you so much for sharing that tweet stream. I'm going to link it up in the show notes to this uh, and and even more so for exposing me to Ben Chestnut's uh, tiny letter. I'm not sure if he keeps it up, but I've subscribed. Uh, and this one in particular was from 2013. So, I mean, this yeah. is like the beginning of, of Unsplash yeah. for you. So,
1: like, what a great time yeah, for him I to share I, that. I look at it every year. I end up, you know, back on that post again.
0: It's a constant reminder for you. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Well, thank you so much, Michael Thank you so much for what you're doing for the disruption of, uh, of the liberation of photos and finding ways to sustain your business, uh, finding ways to provide value to, you know, not only the creators, but the users. And, you know, I love what you're doing. I'm I'm really glad having been a fan for so long, getting a chance to circle back, dig into what you've been up to. Uh, and then have this conversation with you. It's, it's been a real honor. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Man. Same for me. It's been an honor. Thank you. Alright, thank you for
0: tuning into this week's episode of Founders Talk. Do me a favor, if you're enjoying this show, if you love it, if you received any value whatsoever from the stories being shared, share it with a friend, head to iTunes, rate it, review the show. If you know how to tweet a link, tweet a link. And of course, thank you to our sponsors, Hired and Rollbar. Also, thanks to Fastly, our bandwidth partner, and to Fastly.com to learn more. We catch our ears before our users do hear ChangeLog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com ChangeLog. And we're hosted on Linode Cloud Servers Head to linode.com slash changelog Check them out, support this show Thanks for tuning in, we'll see you next week Hey, are you still here? Oh, okay, cool A little Easter egg for those of you tuning into the after show, even past the music. One, thank you for listening. Two, if you've got a founder, CEO, or maker that you've been admiring, somebody that's just impressed you, been influential in your life, somebody's story you want to hear, share their name, share their email, share their information. Let me know somehow, some way. Tweet at me on Twitter. I'm at Adam Stack or send me an email, adam at changelaw.com.